Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I got this feeling inside my bones. It goes electric, baby, when I turn it on. Hello and welcome to the Kaching with Jane King podcast. The first version this podcast is designed by parents for parents who want their kids to be money savvy. So we're going to be sharing what we do, some simple, fun things to help kids be comfortable, confident, and smart when it comes to cash. Oh, and I got to give a shout out to my brother, Jim, out there. Listen to the first podcast. He's in a tractor in Indiana and is listening. Today's podcast brought to you by Arc Athletics, a New York City-based athletic training and fitness business. For tips and videos on keeping your young athletes safe and injury-free this fall, you can go to arcathletics.com. That's A-R-C athletics.com. So I want to introduce uh, Kim Mustin, who is a friend, a Wall Street executive, mom, fellow passionate supporter of early financial education. Hello, Kim. Hello. It's <laughs> super exciting to be here to talk about one of these topics that we're both so passionate about. We are. I mean, we have talked just at the park or wherever about how we feel, about teaching kids about money, making them smart. So I guess give us a little bit of your background. Where do you come from and your kids and all that stuff? Yeah. So I've been, um, for my my day job, I've been working for about 26 years, exactly 26 years on Wall Street in various forms. And so I get to talk to some of the most sophisticated people about money every day. But when I come home, I have a six-year-old and twin four-year-olds. It just doesn't translate. You know, they don't... They They're don't, not getting they, options. Yeah, and, right, no, okay. derivatives sure. and downside protection <laughs> no, and all those types no. of things. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, but knowing how important this is and really being a passionate supporter around retirement security for Americans overall, it's something that I really am passionate about bringing into my own household. And so I've really been, and you and I have talked about this in the park, about how do you translate that down to raise kids who are really financially aware and have good financial psychology. And it's not always so easy, right? No. I mean, they don't get it at all. But we'll talk about all that. So I want to also bring in Todd Horowitz. And uh, Kim and I are going to be having a, a revolving guest um, on these podcasts. And it's also somebody who feels very passionately about financial education. So Todd Horowitz in the wonderful Midwestern town of Chicago, trader, TV, radio personality, longtime friend. Todd, hello. Jane, it's great to be here, and it's nice to meet you, Kim, and it's it's a great idea and a great concept. Well, thanks, and I know you have done some work in this area as well, Todd, so tell us what kind of work you're doing. 
Well, I have two kids, but I'm, I'm past the stage of having them at home and, uh, I'm an empty nester now, but uh, I actually, my kids went to, at the time, the number one school in the state of Illinois for high school. And I asked them what they were learning and they weren't learning. As far as I was concerned, they weren't learning anything. And I had written a book on, on options and I went to the school and I got approval and we're now in 177 high schools teaching uh, financial literacy from uh, bank accounts, check, checking accounts, credit score, credit cards, and all the way up to options if they can get that far through their program. But we need to get it started at the base, which is the youth. That's awesome, Todd. And you were talking a little bit once about how you're getting some pushback from administrators on this program. There is a lot of pushback, which is why I grabbed a teacher and, and made him part of it, um, because teachers are, are set with the way the textbooks are, and they just want to teach the test. You know, one of the problems we have with the the common core curriculum is it's all about test scores. That's how you get money. And this is an elective course, which I've now been able to convince many economic teachers and business teachers to put it in as part of their class. And so far, everybody loves it. And right now, we're just working our way, trying to get into more schools. And it comes at no cost to the school as well. Right now, financial education is required in 17 states. Um, some people say it should be mandatory everywhere. I have a feeling we would all agree with that. Sex education is required, but financial is not. I mean, not required, but it's certainly more common than financial education. What do you think about that? If you look at the birth rates for young mothers before we had sex education, I think that can portray some of the things that we're seeing on the financial education side, right? So a lack of knowledge leads to, you know, subpar results. And so as I think about the education around both financial education as well as sex education, two totally different things, but the outcome can be completely catastrophic for a young person's life or an older person's life that inherits a bunch of debt that they created when they didn't really understand what they were getting themselves into. And I think some of those just really core basic concepts that we teach in sex education around protecting yourself, about the consequences that can occur. Those are the same types of things that we need to be introducing at an earlier stage. And I think as some parents that I talk to only think about talking to their kids about money when they have already developed these bad habits and they think about them in the context of, I got to wait until they get a job and they start earning money. Well, you can start giving your kids jobs at two that really teach them about, you know, core responsibilities around saving. Um, investing concepts can be a little bit challenging, but certainly a savings account. And then, um, we'll talk, I think a little bit about like things like cost the cost associated with various things. And I think those are just really important concepts to introduce as early as you possibly can before bad habits develop. Sure. And Todd, one of the issues with sex education versus financial education is sex education is much more interesting. Let's face it, financial education can be a little dry and boring, but what can we do to make it more interesting and relevant to kids' lives? I mean, I always feel like Giving them like role playing is easier. Having them have a little store or something like that could help them really learn those lessons. What we do is we actually uh, put in a lot of contests where they go class to class, school to school, 
and we can we've actually had national contests throughout our software to have people actually do live trading. So we kind of make it exciting. And, and I do myself, I do a lot of video. I do one video a week for a couple of minutes to try to keep them entertained. And, and that's, you know, if you can, you can make finances fun. It doesn't have to be dry and dusty. It can be a lot of fun, especially when you get them, as you like to call it, role playing into something and having an end game or a goal that they're trying to achieve through that. And of course, my kids, they worked for me from the time they were babies and they got paid when they worked and they didn't get paid when they didn't get work. And then of course, they had to put their money out to buy things and they have to teach them how to budget and do all those other things. You can start that at any age, as far as I'm concerned, because once they're old enough to understand, they're old enough to understand the value of what they're getting. They can trade this thing for a toy. Give them the idea of how to trade something for something else, something of value for something else of value. Now, I think also this is one of those things that contributes to income inequality that we hear so much about. It's a problem in our country is wealthy kids just being around it. Maybe their parents are in the financial industry or they're in a private school and they get these kinds of lessons. So this even contributes more to the problems that we have with income inequality in our country. I I think it can work both ways, though. I know kids that go to really, really nice schools and their parents do really well. And I think the pressure to try to stretch a dollar a little further to save more for a rainy day, those things don't always get introduced into the nomenclature at home and kind of what they're doing. And that manifests itself in spending behaviors and savings patterns, et cetera. And so I could see it working both ways where if you came from a home where you may not be, you're struggling to kind of put food on the table, you're going to talk a lot about stretching a dollar further and maybe not so much about some of those other concepts around investing and the power of compounding growth, et cetera. But I think it can work both ways. I mean, Todd, I don't know. What do you think? I think I agree with you. And I think that, you know, like in the area I live in, you know, we have a lot of two parents working. And of course, in our neighborhood, a lot of the parents try to buy off the kids and, and, and provide them with extra things because they're not home as much. But I think overall, if you try to teach them from the beginning that, you know, everything in life comes at a cost and, you know, you you have to be careful what you give up to get that cost. I think that's the important thing we want to look for here. And that's how you teach the value of everything, because you're bringing in the value of life as well as the value of finances when you put it together, because we everything we do has a cost to it. And and I think that's the, the education that I tried to bring to my kids. So, in fact, it's funny that my son now, a senior in college, is now teaching a class on finances to his fraternity brothers. They have a class every Wednesday. <laughs> oh, that, that's, that's just gr- good parenting right well, there. Yeah, and that's awesome in college, too. I mean, it's really a lifelong education. I mean, I take, you know, and, and Kim, I'm curious to hear, and Todd, too, when your kids were little, I mean, I take them to the bank with me. I mean, even if it's just to be in a bank. And they get a lollipop at the bank in New York. Oh, yeah. Yes. I mean, that's what my kids want to go in, even if they're not <laughs> contributing money. And so I had to set a barrier. Like, you can only go in there if you're making a deposit because they just want to go in to get, like, the yeah. lollipops and they love the security guard. And right. I think there's a lot of banks that do a really great job of of creating an environment where kids want to come in. It's not just about the lollipop. They have other things inside the bank. and. I think more of that, and I love Todd's work around doing experiential learning with kids. I think, you know, when I was learning sex education, back to that topic in high school, we had to actually carry around an egg that we, you know, had to have babysat and all this stuff. And just the the act of carrying this thing around, it was such a pain in the butt and you couldn't leave it in your locker and (laughs) 
my quote unquote, you know, baby daddy of my egg like yes. broke it. And then we had to bury the egg. It was like, it was a disaster. <laughs> so I think some of those types of things where you can really introduce experiential learning and make it real, make it more real for the kids. So I think a lot of the tools that maybe have not been so successful around teaching financial literacy are just things that are not interesting to kids. So the more experiential that you can be, the more real you can make it, the more you can walk into the bank and have a conversation with the teller about what goes on in a bank, those make it more real. And each one of those things adds to the overall uh, mosaic of a child's understanding about money and money concepts. Yeah. And when I was, um, after I had graduated from Purdue, I taught a class. It was an organizational leadership class, but I made the kids come up with a business idea. And I remember with this group of kids that was four, like in a group, and they did a snowboard. They came up with the marketing plan and all this stuff. I mean, it was just like, I really wanted them to, instead of reading in a book or listening to a lecture, I wanted them to actually do it, to go through it and realize all the headaches and everything that you go through when you start a business. You know, I think that those are all great ideas. And I, I think the bank creates a good environment because they make you want to come in. And I think you just want to make it where the child is striving for a goal and I think the, the younger we teach them the opportunity to put together, you know, you want this new, you know, iPod, whatever, you have to do these things for this amount of time. And that's how you will earn that iPod. And I think if you, if you do that enough for these kids, they start to grasp the concept that everything does cost money and it's not free and you have to work for it. And I think that's how you really build a real solid foundation. Now, every podcast, I want to make it a goal that we leave with some tips for parents. So, you know, I, pr I printed out some that I saw, you know, talk about goals. These are particularly for teenagers, but, you know, talk about their goals. Like if they want the new iPhone 7, for example, um, what can they do to get there? You know, how much do they need to save? You know, maybe they can work around the house to get that. A savings jar. I know a lot of families have savings jars. They put a little change they see here and there that adds up. Uh, keep a spending diary. I should do that. I mean, I forget how much uh, some of my stuff, you know, how much money and where it goes and then encourage them to make money. And we talked about, you know, having them, you know, mow lawns or walk dogs or babysit or something. So they really get an understanding of making it and what you do. And it's hard. It's hard to make money and how hard it is and how you have to save it. Yeah. I think too, you know, one thing when I was a kid and I used to go to the bank and I, I had my bank account, I had this passbook savings account. Yeah. You remember that? It was oh, like, sure, it looked yeah. like a little passport and they would write down how much money mm -hmm. that you had. It was green. Yeah. Mine uh -huh. was blue. Oh, okay. And, um, <laughs> Maybe it was blue. I don't but remember. green would be great. Green for money. It should be. Uh, and now I get like this little, uh, computer printed sheet of paper that in two days the ink like mm. disappears off of. And so that's one thing that I've started to do is to write almost like a passbook so that they can see that the dollar amount is going up because it's really hard. I don't, even though my kids are learning, you know, four nickels make a quarter, four quarters make a dollar, they just, it's still, it's like death. You know, they don't understand the concept of death. Like understanding the concept of money, this thing and what it can do is the power that you're trying to unlock every day. What can you buy with it? What, um, and, and what is that cost as associated with those things? And the financial psychology, I think we can't say enough about that. Maybe we'll do another show on that, but I think financial psychology of waiting mm -hmm. and delaying gratification so that you can get something bigger. My kids will like get their allowance and it's like, you know, $10 and they want to go buy a $10 toy versus waiting 10 weeks and buying 
a hundred dollar toy that's probably a lot going to have a lot more durability and lasting impact in their lives. And so I think those types of things are things that are really important, um, along with just taking kids in a store and not buying anything. Just teaching them the art of browsing. Yes. You know, which like can be every- wonderfully satisfying. Yeah. I mean, it's not toys that going to make you really that much happier. I mean, Todd, I know you agree with that. I, I want, I want to come to your house for the $10 allowance. Um, <laughs> I, I think the, 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 the first thing we teach, you should teach is to save first and, and basically pay yourself first before you can go out and buy anything else. I think that's a, a habit that kids need to learn that you have to put money away first and it doesn't have to be a lot, but you know, if you start that at a very young age, by the time you get to be, you know, the older ages, you'll have plenty of money put away by learning the art of paying yourself first. And and maybe, you know, a kid has to give up that extra Starbucks or when you get older, that extra beer a week or whatever it is, but it doesn't matter how much, but the idea is to pay yourself first. So if you give somebody a $10 allowance, you know, I would say make them put a dollar away immediately for savings and and then you you get into the habit of always paying yourself first i think that's a very important lesson that kids need to learn young especially with the current financial system here and what's going to happen with maybe social security learning to put that money away now so that you don't have to depend on anybody else i think is a very big lesson to teach kids yeah i I think that's so true um one other piece uh just to be clear, because my kids will listen to this podcast and I don't want them to think that I have given them permission to spend their whole allowance. But we try to, <laughs> we try to do, um, we think in, uh, portions so that you, you save a portion, you spend a portion and you give a portion. And, um, those, you can decide what's right for your family. But for us, you know, I, I want my kids to, because they're little, they're still, you know, six and four. And thus their spending habits are slightly less. You know, they want a dumb, dumb lollipop and it's a quarter or whatever. Um, so I want them to understand if they take, if I, all I'm doing is taking all their money and taking it to the bank. I think that builds up a bad financial psychology of, oh, my money just isn't even mine. It just goes straight into my bank account. And, you know, it's funny when my son was little, um, he wanted, it was like candy or something at the drugstore. And I said, if you're always spending your money on little things, you never have money for big things. True. And, you know, he was probably three or four at the time, but I could tell it kind of registered a little. And I think if we just, those little nuggets here and there that we tell kids add up over time. And uh, can help them learn. So anyway, thank you guys so much. This has been wonderful, Todd. Thank you. It's great to be. It's great to be here. Uh, you know, you know how passionate I am about uh, making sure that little kids, but and then your older kids learn this because it, it's so important to everybody that you just don't realize how important it is until it happens, and then you go, "Boy, I wish I had learned learn that a long time ago." So, and Kim, you'll be with us next time. Yep. So, and also, I just want to uh, tell anybody listening out there, you can follow us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, at Market Jane on all the socials. And um, we'll have some articles about kids and money, some tips, uh, hashtag kids kaching. And also, big thanks to our first sponsor, Arc Athletics, a New York City based athletic training and fitness business. Now, for tips and videos on keeping your young athletes safe and injury free during the fall sports season, you can go to arcathletics.com. ARCathletics.com. So thank you and thanks to all our listeners, and we'll catch you next time. But you're moving so carefully, let's start living dangerously.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.